Ngomsha wosindi so zola zola seven. Hey, now we started off on a good note, on a very good note. Guys, ngaboyele enkonzwe ni manje ngene zayoni. Oh my goodness! It's twelve minutes after ten. Welcome to it, a teamers. It's the Monday edition of Late Night Conversation, the last Monday of this beautiful month of June, the twenty eighth of June. My name is Patricia Ntuli. We are together until midnight uh, in the a team on the side. Uh, we've got Mudupi Mahalimela. Hola, hola. He's going to be back again to give us the final news of Bulletin at 11. Phineas Ndoba is on the technical desk on the ones and twos. He seems like he's uh, uh, he's with me, but his mind is somewhere else. Your body's here, Phineas, but your mind. And I know it's, I know exactly where it's at. It's on the football courts and on the fields and I know he's like I wish I wish I was home to watch this match right now but Phineas we have to do the job Smiley and then uh, Benzito Ricardo producer of the show boss of the show aka DJ man of the show he's the one who chose the song to start us off on a very very good note it's a blessing to be with you once again lockdown level four yes that's where we are right now in South Africa but hey we forge forward to all those who are not feeling well right now have COVID COVID or just emotionally down, we are with you as the A-team. To those who are, yeah, who have lost loved ones, condolences to you. Strength, light and love, that's what we're sending. Today we're speaking legal conversations. We're talking about COVID-19 and your rights in the workplace. We we see that things are constantly changing around the workplace and COVID-19 because it it is a novel um, pandemic and it's one of those that we really, we are a work in progress. There's nothing that's set in stone. So a lot of people who are employed right now, as we've entered a lockdown level four, are asking themselves many questions around their safety, around uh, possibilities of going back to work from home, around, you know, just job security. So we will be speaking to Ayanda Bayepi, who's a co-founder and director at Bayepi DRC Attorneys. Straight after that conversation, we continue on a legal note and we are speaking um, the surrender of goods, repossession and bank assisted sales because COVID-19 has uh, hit a lot of our pockets. So a lot of us are really at a place where we are wondering, will the bank come and repossess our car, our homes, our possessions, are we going to be backed somehow, some way? Is there anything that can happen um, to assist us um, and, and, and avert these challenges that we are facing due to COVID-19? Because instead of it getting better, the numbers are getting higher. Um, restrictions are becoming stricter once again. And we are seeing that this past couple of months, over a year now, are really a challenge. So we'll be speaking to Gwanda Vabaza, um, who is a manager and uh, at communications at the Ombuds for banking services. And I'm hoping that he'll be able to give us ways to mitigate having our possessions repossessed by the bank. You know, it's a Monday. So every Monday we get into our clairvoyant medium uh, conversation straight after 11 o'clock news bulletin. Ida Kutsia is going to be joining us. She's a spiritual master coach and she's going to be giving you the opportunity for a reading. And we're going to be talking about gratitude, something that we forget 
when we are faced with challenges. Mm-hmm. ATMs, these are the numbers that you should keep on your dial 011-714-2006 to call in or SMS 41391. Remember, SMS are charged at 150. WhatsApps go to 614 We are on DSTV channel 814 and on social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Nduli using the hashtag SAFMLNC. Love to hear from you. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. Let's introduce our first A-team guest, Ayanda Bayepi, who is a co-founder and director at Bayepi Gyasi Attorneys. Ayanda, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Uh, thank you for having me on your show and good evening to your listeners. So COVID-19 seems to be one of those issues that are really intertwined with the way we live. Uh, But not only that, the workplace has totally changed. The landscape of how we work, how work is delivered has totally changed. And um, workers want to know what their rights are in the workplace um, when it comes to COVID-19. Thanks, Patricia. You know, it goes without saying that uh, COVID came and it really has wrecked many lives and um, has really changed how, you know, the ways of work and basically how we live our lives in general. And in terms of, you know, the rights of employees in the workplace, uh, employers need to understand that they have a huge role to play in helping the fight against the pandemic as the workplace is one of the places where individuals come close, you know, in contact with each other. And that's where as well you can contract the, the COVID virus as well when you are at work. Mm. So it's important to note that, you know, over and above the Disaster Management Act and the amended regulations and what they're saying, there are pre-existing labor laws that still need to be complied with as well in the workplace. Let's talk about some of these pre-existing labor laws and obviously the adjusted ones to suit this COVID-19. So, you know, important to note firstly is that because of the COVID um, virus, so there has been like certain things that employers have to implement in their working in their working environment. You know, over and above providing a safe working space for uh, employees, it's important to note now that you know em- employees are also now outside of the working environment or the working building, as it were, and they are also working at home. So employers need to make sure that there are policies. Firstly, there are clear policies that are put in place to make sure that they are able to handle, for example, in an instance where an employee has tested positive for the coronavirus or to handle instances where there are employees that are at risk of contracting the virus to ensure that the support is provided for those specific employees and to also just inform and assist uh, employees to let them know where they can find information, where they can find the correct medical help, and to ensure that this communication um, is sent out to employees as regularly as as possible. And just to add, Patricia, there's been, um, you know, um, as we are obviously making sure that we keep our finger on the pulse, that there's been a lot of um, claims uh, from the compensation fund where employee employers uh, sorry employees are contracting the virus at work so employers need to ensure that if they employ one or more employees at any given time they must register with the compensation fund and pay the annual assessment fee that is applicable 
This would then allow for an employee that has contracted the COVID virus in the workplace to be able to approach the compensation fund and um, submit their claim so that they are compensated in the event that they contract the virus at work. I end up glad that you are talking of the issue of um, contract and COVID-19 at the workplace. One that I've always asked myself, how is it proven? I mean, people commute from home to work, um, vice versa. How does one prove that they contracted COVID at the workplace so that they'll be able to claim and be compensated? I, I guess one of the things that we'd have to consider, Patricia, is how the health of the employee. So before and after, for example, if you're, I mean, surely if you're not feeling well, you would know, and if not feeling, if you are feeling well, you'd know as well. But in an instance where that's why employees are encouraged to always report if they do contract um, the virus, so that if they were at the workplace and then the people that were around them can then monitor themselves to see if they are any, um, you know, symptoms that they're experiencing um, to sort of, you know, state that, you know, I might have um, also contracted this at, at the workplace. Remember, there's also that incubation period. So that's why it's important to sort of always let your uh, employer know if you do test, for example, whether you, you, you got this at work or elsewhere, it's important to just let them know so that they can just keep a file at hand so that they just make sure that everyone else who was around you can can monitor perhaps in those instances you are then able to pinpoint and say that I did contract this um, at work or, or not. A-team, as we're talking about uh, COVID-19 and your rights at the workplace, uh, Ayanda Bayepi is our guest. Please do call in and ask your questions. I think as a person who is currently employed with this new um, lockdown level that we've moved to, it's not new, but it's new at this current time. And uh, the third wave that's currently doing the rounds, um, it, it's it's very vital that we know exactly where we stand and what our rights are. Call in on 011-714-2006 or send a WhatsApp on 06. 614-104-107. Ayanda, now let's say someone uh, suspects that they've contracted COVID um, at the workplace. What is the process that the employer should follow and the employee? And how long do they have to uh, submit whatever documentations? I ask this question because we know that once you know that you are COVID-19 positive, you need to be at home for a certain period. So yeah, the timeframes are quite important. Sure, that's important. So firstly, it's important that um, the employer keeps a register. So as an employee, you need to be honest enough to divulge or disclose to the employer to say that uh, you have contracted the COVID um, virus and that you would then need to follow what is required of you medically in terms of um, self-isolating, etc. So when you do that, then um, you will let the employer know and if you are at the workplace, the people that were there at the, let's say, around that time would also have to be notified so that they need to also start self-isolating. So you don't have to necessarily wait for those people to actually test and see if they are positive or not. You just need to follow what is required in terms of self-isolating and then just making sure that you monitor, you monitor the symptoms for yourself. 
So in respect of the compensation fund, Patricia, then I would say that you would then have to um, obviously fill out the report that you need to submit to the compensation fund um, along with whatever document that they they would um, require. So that specific information can be found on the Labor Department's website, which specifically outlines what is needed for your claim to be considered and to be then paid out by the compensation fund. All right. Uh, Let's talk about um, the the way people are working. So when the initial lockdown came in last year in March, a lot of companies resorted to working from home um, for those who had the possibility. But I'm now looking at companies uh, that are run such as call centers and then people will call back to start working from the office. What are the rights of the employee at this current time. Can they then say, let's go back. Um, I'm not feeling comfortable to work at the office. I want to go back and work from home. Or is it up to the employer to decide? So I think as a point of of departure, it's important to note that the amended regulations state that the employer must uh, put, put measures in place to promote physical distancing, meaning enabling work from home as far as possible and to ensure that workplaces are not crowded. So so for the first instance, uh, employers have been putting in place a rotation system where they can have X number of employees coming to the office either for that week or for that month, and ensuring that obviously the place is sanitized and it's cleaned regularly. And in an instance where it's possible, as far as possible, then workers should be allowed to work from home. So it's important to note that currently there is no specific labor law that deals with working from home specifically, but it's important that there are clear policies that are put in place to ensure that when employees do work from home, they are given the necessary support, they are given the equipment to be able to work from home, and they are also given allowances for you know issues like um, Wi-Fi, etc. So they have all of that in place. So it's, it's, it's the employer that must make sure that they have these policies in place. And, you know, I, I think you also have to be reasonable as an employer and not necessarily say that you want uh, employees in the office when you know fully well that you cannot guarantee their safety in respect of them interacting with each other. So it's important that you also are reasonable and also you know, as much as possible, you know, try and put in the measures in place. Nothing is forcing employers, but it's important that, you know, in line with what the president has required of the employers and what is stated in the regulations that you actually comply with that. You know, so as I was stating regarding the policies, it's important that the employers clearly define the times in which, you know, an employer, an employee would be working, because I mean, from a personal experience, have realize that, you know, working from home also creeps in with your own personal time. And, you know, the lines are just blurred in terms in terms of that. So it's important that also the tasks that need to be completed by an employee are clearly set out in these policies to make sure that the expectations from both sides are managed and everyone knows what is expected of them at any given time when employees are working from home. So in other words, it's still um, the employer's uh, decision ultimately to say whether you work from home or you work at the office. As long as they can prove um, that they are trying to mitigate and the, uh, the, the, the spread of COVID-19 in the workplace and they've got measures in place. That's correct, Patricia. 
oh, it takes away power, though, from the employees. I mean, the employer can have it down on paper, but imagine a call center that was filled and packed and they're telling you, well, you're already uh, a meter and a half away from each other. You use your own headsets and, you're, you know, it, it still takes away the right from the employer, uh, the, the employee. You know what I can perhaps add on that? There are industries where there are um, trade unions that um, active there in that space. So perhaps then you could have your shop stewards that engage with management to ensure that the safety of workers, you know, is ensured by by the employer. But as I said, it's really important that employers um, are reasonable and keep in mind the fact that this really... um, this disease really is um, devastating and, you know, to take it lightly and only see it as a, you know, you want your employees to be at work only doesn't serve any purpose. So it's really important that, you know, in, everyone is on board to ensure that we fight the pandemic and ensure that the spread of the disease is um, curtailed as much as possible. So. Yeah, the employee would really have to come to the party in this instance. Here's a question from an A-teamer. Um, this A-teamer says, it's, it's Genoshi who's in the Eastern Cape. Genoshi says, how are domestic workers covered under COVID laws? Sorry, but I didn't get that. How are domestic workers covered under the COVID laws? So, as I said specifically, there isn't... Um, any specific um, 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 laws in respect of um, working from home and also just in respect of the laws, you would note that um, it's just come recently where domestic workers are where seen in respect of compensation um, uh, by if they get injured at home. So in that respect, they would also be able to then um, claim from the compensation fund if they uh, contract um, the, the COVID virus if they were at their at their workplaces. But I think there's still a long way to go in respect of recognizing the domestic workers' rights in respect of labor laws in the country. But as I said, that you must you know be mindful of what is currently existing and just make sure that. Um, everyone complies within the line of the law. Here's an SMS from an A-teamer saying, please help. A friend got COVID at work in the fuel industry. Not only did the company since December to date not pay him out, they placed him on short time and currently is being harassed by the doctors of whom they sent him to for the bills. Further, this fuel company, which is in the which is in East London, um, selective staff and uh, directors don't wear masks, and drivers have to beg for disinfectants, and they have to wear the only two um, worn-out nylon-issued masks since the start of COVID. Why are their doors still open? So there's a couple of issues here on this particular one. The issue of uh, um, contracting COVID at the workplace, but no compensation. And then your salary is also being a cut. Um, the company takes you to a doctor here and still they are not uh, covering the bill as the company. And uh, the prejudice, some wear masks, some don't, and there's not enough sanitizer to go around. And people who are working in this workplace are not given uh, masks to wear. So how can you address this particular issue, Ayand? So um, just hearing the number of um, issues raised there, it's important to note that um, if an employer does not comply with what is stated in the regulations, 
and they are found guilty of an offence and they are convicted, they would be liable for a fine or imprisonment. So I think it's important that the employees in that uh, workplace actually report this to the Labour Department and, you know, not only discuss it among themselves. And I would also suggest that that specific worker perhaps seek legal advice in terms of, you know, um, to get assistance and in the issue that he has. So there is offences that's created in the regulations, Patricia. And also it's important that to know that there are labour inspectors that are uh, appointed by the Labour Department themselves where you can report this and they can be called upon to come uh, and investigate that specific issue in that specific company because surely that can't be allowed to let go without being it uh, without it being challenged. So it's really important. And just to touch on the issue regarding short time. So um, in respect of short time, it could be one of the measures that perhaps an employer um, implements as opposed to retrenching um, an employee. But it's important that in in implementing this, it's it, it must be a temporary measure and it's for a temporary period where where that work that is maybe what one does is no longer available like how it was. But employers must keep in mind that this cannot be implemented unilaterally. So like in the instance of retrenchment, there needs to be consultation because this alters the terms and conditions of an employment contract. So it's important that you engage with your employer. You don't just implement that. And, you know, the employer must know that they must act within the confines of the law. So, you know, if then this is what's happening, I suggest that that employee seek legal advice, but also they need to report the employer because, you know, as in terms of how you would um, do retrenchment in respect of the Labor Relations Act, you are required that you consult with employees. And also there is a criteria which is used as in the same process if you wanted to do retrenchments where you would look in at the last in first out so you don't just implement a short time just for one specific employee because then, you know, if you do things like that, you can be liable for a claim of constructive dismissal if you make it impossible for an employee to be able to to work there. So I would suggest those um, issues, um, those points, um, Patricia. Thanks. Ayanda, let's go to our A-team guest, Lebohang, who's on the line. Good evening, Lebohang. Good evening, I'm hungry. Excellent, thanks. I just wanted to ask Ayanda about the, around the illegality of claiming UIF. Why is it that when you resign from work and uh, from uh, wherever you're working and you try to claim for UIF that you actually contributed, you, not, you don't get paid for it? All right, listen on the line. Thank you very much, Lebohang. Ayanda, can we answer that? Thank you, Patricia. I just wanted to ask Lebohang, he said regarding the legalities of UIF, where you contributed but you don't get? You don't get paid out any UIF once you've resigned. So um, in that respect, um, I, I, I would obviously have to consider the fact of the matter fully. It's very difficult to perhaps answer that when you don't have the full the full um, fact at hand, but how I understand is that your employer would obviously have have to be paying over 
uh, a portion of from your salary um, towards the UIF, and um, you would have then have to then fill in the documentation that you received from your employer, and then you submit that to the unemployment insurance fund. But it's important to note that this would be perhaps in an instance where you would have um, been uh, retrenched from work or that, for example, where you are on maternity. So in an instance where you resign, I think I would have to want to understand the circumstances fully around that, Patricia, because it is a bit difficult to answer that with the little information that Leverhang has provided. But I guess if you comply with what is required in terms of your claim, then that should be paid out. So if there are any issues that would have to be investigated um, individually, then, you know, I can fully respond to that. Donald in Rustenburg uh, says, what can your guest uh, say about an employer who allows an employee who stays with a family member who tested positive to come to work without him being tested? Isn't this a risk to other workers? So... Like we touched on earlier, so if you are with a family member that has tested positive, the responsible thing to do would be that you also test and you also isolate in the meantime just to make sure that you don't, um, you know, you don't um, infect perhaps other workers around you. So an, an employer should, as I said, be reasonable and be sensible in around those that, that circumstances. So... If, as, as I said initially, if an employer is really not um, coming to the party, the labor department should be should be contacted and informed about these kind of ongoings happening at the workplace. Because um, surely, it, for me, it doesn't sound responsible to allow somebody who who is living with somebody who tested positive to come to work without ensuring that they themselves are not the carriers for the virus as well. And uh, you've got a compliment here from uh, Tsepan Gere, who's in Johannesburg. Tsepan says, I just want to thank Ayanda for this very informative interview. Information that employers don't share with their employees. Thank you very much, Ayanda. Um, On that note, uh, Ayanda, before we let you go, I'd like you to please give us your contact details at Bayepi Tiasi Attorneys for those who might seek uh, some legal um, representatives for issues around workplace and uh, their rights. Thanks, Patricia. Firstly, I'd like to thank you, uh, to thank Sapang for the compliment. It's much appreciated. And our contact um, at our law firm is info at baepigyasi. It's B-A-E-P-I-D-Y-A-S-I attorneys.co.za or you can email me directly at abaepi at baepigyasi attorneys.co.za. Excellent. Ayanda, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, your friend, who's our next guest, Gwanda, wants to give <laughs> oh, you a greeting. <laughs> so hold on. Gwanda, uh, good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, greet your friend, Ayanda. Hi, Ayanda. I must say uh, that was very, very informative. Thank you for that, my friend. Thank you so much, Daddy. As we would say, I'm looking forward to your slot as well. <laughs> uh, I think we started off nicely with you.
Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, Ayanda. So thank Patricia. you for being with us. Okay, so A-teamers, don't think it's like a nepotism thing here that we get our guests as friends. It was sheer coincidence. All thanks to Brabenzito. Let's take a bit of a break. After this, we're talking to Kwanda Vabaza, who is a manager and uh, communications at the Ombuds for Banking Services. We're going to be talking about COVID-19 and the way it's affected your pocket and obviously your debt, your car. Could it be taken away? What can you do to stop the repossession, your home? I think that's one of the things that people are really worried about right now if you can't keep up with your uh, monthly bond installments. Make sure that you're tuned in and interacting with us on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 0614-104-107. SMSs go to 41391.